Welcome to the Life Purpose Podcast, the podcast that supports you in finding and embodying your purpose. My name is Paulisari, and I am your host. In this episode, I talk to Asta Rami. Asta is a Finnish intuition researcher, and she has published several books about intuition. I have really appreciated her books, and since intuition is a very important element in the process of discovering and embodying one's purpose, I thought that she would be a great person to have on the show. In the episode we talk about intuition, what it is, and how to increase our access to it. We only talk a little bit directly about purpose, but everything that has to do with intuition is highly relevant in terms of finding and embodying one's purpose. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Astarami. Okay, so welcome to the Life Purpose podcast, Asta. Thank you, Pauli. Yeah, so I thought it would be a good way to start this conversation if you would maybe take a moment to say a few words about what you mean by intuition to define the word Mm -hmm. and also to say a little bit about the three different types of intuition that you speak about. Okay, so if we are thinking about the human thinking or talking talking about the human thinking, we have so-called two systems System one and system two. And system two is reasoning and system one is intuition. Which means that it's everything else except reasoning. And this is the current view in psychology and cognitive psychology. Mm. However, the system one is a collection of several type of intuitions or non-conscious processes. It means that we don't have only one intuition, but several intuitions. Mm. And these different intuitions are based on different knowledge bases. That makes intuition a little bit uh, ambiguous phenomenon. Mm. But in in everyday life, or in order to understand intuition, I have divided it to three different intuitions that makes the whole concept of intuiting a little bit more easier to understand. Hmm. Uh, If we are still thinking about this system one and system two, they are very different from each other. They operate differently and uh, process information differently. But it's a two-system model that makes the human human thinking brilliant. Mm. System two, which is the conscious reasoning, is very good in uh, focusing, analyzing, concentrating, Uh, But it's a very slow processor and it handles just 
you know, researchers have been uh, studying that it handles from 40 until 50 bits of uh, information e- each second. So it's it's really a small processor. Hmm. And the system one is a huge processor. It handles uh, 300,000 times more information or even million times more information in one mm. second mm, uh, or, or any time. But it cannot concentrate, analyze it, it more like uh, uh, handles a huge mo- amount of impressions and signals and sends them to our conscious reasoning which can then decide, hey, is this a good idea or uh, is there something I need to be aware of or is this an important signal? Mm. And these two work constantly together. So therefore, if somebody tells that, you know, I'm not intuitive, he or she doesn't really know what she's talking about because Mm. the uh, intuitive faculties are the basis of human thinking human brain is uh naturally inborn intuitive Mm, thinker but in order to understand this uh system one which is like an umbrella containing various types of intuitions i found out that um uh if we uh think about three diverse intuitions, it it makes us to understand it more easily. Mm. And the first type of intuition is uh, instinct-based intuition, which is based on biology and evolution, our long history as um, as humans or, or like human animals. Mm. And uh, it it uh, contains a lot of good practices like how we take care of our offspring and uh, all kind of mating and cooperation. But it all also has a lot of herd-based uh, dynamics like power play or uh, pecking order or or what's my role or what's my place in this uh, human society Mm. and this intuition is very different from expertise based intuition which is the second type of intuition while the primitive intuition or instinct based intuition is based on a long history uh, expert intuition is based on learning and experience. Mm. Usually expertise uh, takes 10,000 hours of active practice or 10 plus years. And then we may have uh, some expertise which then uh, deepens or expands. Mm-hmm. as we study and, and experience new things. 
a good example is that an experienced doctor, for example, may quite quickly notice that, hey, this could be the uh, diagnosis for that patient. And in non-conscious mind, there are many processes going on, like pattern recognition and pattern matching. It's like putting the pieces in the puzzle together, like uh, like the doctor is, has experience of thousand patients, and then subconsciously he is uh, comparing the current case mm. into the previous ones and maybe doing some random sampling which is like hey did you have this kind of symptoms or how about that or how do you feel feel right now or something else and then subconsciously matching this current case to the previous one and often just the answer pops in his or her mind that, hey, this could be the solution. And usually this expert type of intuition is quite reliable, that the baker may, may feel in his hands that now the dough is a good one, or whatever the expertise, uh, the area of expertise is. Yeah. It's usually quite reliable. But from my point of view, uh, lately I've been researching and interviewing uh, inventors. And uh, they are so fascinating because somehow they are able to surpass their current expertise, like envision into the future or invent something that nobody has invented before or... Uh, anyway surpass the current knowledge so where is this uh, kind of inventions then uh, where do they come from they they cannot come from expertise because then it would just be a new combination of of previous information or previous inventions mm. since they are brand new uh, it's it's kind of fascinating where where do these ideas come from? And these inventors have been constantly telling that, well, it's kind of other dimension of the mind. They call it like the office of the mind and the office of the upstairs. Hmm. And uh, therefore, they are describing experiences like the ideas are hanging up there. You just have to pick them. Or um, they may so-called print it from, from uh, some other level of consciousness. Mm. Or they may describe that they are getting helped. Or they are just receiving the ideas. Or they're just listening and being mm. open and it's uh, it's a dimension that from these traditional uh, scientific point of view or materi materialistic science it's it's difficult to understand but yet it 
exists. Yeah. And I call it a superintuition or sometimes the third dimension of intuition. Mm. But it's kind of a source of uh, creativity, source of uh, unseen ideas, source of um, inventions or solutions to the problems that nobody nobody um, has yet invented. Mm. Great. So it is probably mostly this third type of intuition that we are interested in in this context. But before we dive further into that, I think one more definition could be helpful. Mm-hmm. And it is um, how, how you view life purpose, just to yeah, to get some context for the conversation. What is how how would how do you see a life purpose? Um, I think it, I think it depends on your worldview how you want to put it. Yeah. But um, I would rather say that all of us we are individuals. We have our special skills and talents Mm. and uh, therefore especially in the intuitive faculties we have such a potential of of individuality individuality sorry Mm. individuality and uh, the question is that how do you get that out of yourself how do you find your gift to the world Hmm. yeah since uh from intuition point of view uh all humans together it's like an innovation machinery Mm. innovation machinery and every piece of it is valuable and then some person who might be, you know, not so important or very small one might be the necessary part of that big uh, innovation machinery. Yeah. And often these people are mar- marginalized. Mm-hmm. That, uh, for example, uh, when I was studying. Uh, for my latest book, I was studying the diaries of Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. He wrote that as an inventor, he is disguised since his innovations are not based on the literature or previous knowledge. Mm. And it was quite shock for me to... Uh, to read that um, that his peers do not uh, appreciate him as an inventor. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. 
There were many things that I would like to continue unpacking there. Let's see what seems most relevant. I just, I love this idea of humanity as an innovation machinery. Even though I, you know, I hate to compare humans with genes (laughs) or, or like, you know, when talking about intuition and reasoning, these researchers uh, compare the human thinking with bits and and machines. (laughs) But somehow uh, often it works because people have concepts of machines and and somehow it communicates, Mm. even though I, I really don't like it. No, I understand. But the idea of this amazing creative potential in humanity that somehow is manifest in every individual and that collectively it forms something that's even more amazing than the pieces of it. That's kind of what what that image is um, conveying to me. And yeah, and I also like this, um, what you said there about each part each individual being so important i think that's something that so many of us don't i don't know why exactly but we fail to appreciate ourselves and see the beauty of our gifts mm. yeah and and that's just such a tremendous loss of mm. possibilities and and yeah, and for the individual, of course, not being fully aware of their gifts and therefore not being able to fully step into their gifts and offer them mm. to themselves and to the world more fully. That is a kind of suffering yeah, and um, a very unnecessary one. <laughs> yeah, if we consider, for example, Nikola Tesla, mm-hmm. uh, one of our, you know, genius in the history, yeah. uh, he was most likely a neurotic child, mm-hmm. he describes in his uh, um, uh, book, My Inventions, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, it was almost like a, um, what's it called, sorry, uh, psychosis, mm-hmm. or, or this uh, extra sensitive perceptions yeah uh, almost losing his mind and yet he was a genius and i was keeping three lectures for hospital school teachers last uh, fall Mm -hmm. about intuition and uh, sensitivity and you know the teachers were listening and they said that you know most of our students are inventors but they are just not understood enough. Hmm. They have these uh, challenges of being overly sensitive or different from others, and it's considered something weird or something um, shameful even. Hmm. And it prevents us to see the potential and, uh, and the gift they have. Yeah. They're mostly considered as burdens in the society 
outliers or or something that is not valuable. Mm. But from intuition point of view, they are often the most valuable ones because they can access to that type of information and notice those type of signals that the others are ignoring mm. or or cannot access. Yeah. And since many of these people have been living in uh, quite challenging home conditions or challenging life, mm-hmm. they have learned to make very brilliant observations. They perceive a lot of information mm. they ignore. And uh, they have learned to benefit it as a surviving strategy. Yeah. But uh, I think as a society, we would need some sort of transformation in order to evaluate these things. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And intuition overall is not really valued. I mean, in some ways it is, but generally information that is more rational um, based on reasoning is is the kind of knowledge that that is valued. And um, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> quite a big problem that that intuition mm. has such a low status in in many areas of life. But somehow I understand it, because uh, if we think about reasoning, we have a good methods for evaluating the reliability of it. Mm-hmm. Analysis and logic. Mm-hmm. And then if we are uh, using them, we end up with quite reliable information. Mm-hmm. But since intuition is a different type of uh, information, we can't analyze it we can't see the logic therefore uh, intuition is sometimes an irrational thought and we can't see the logic in our intuitions since intuition is uh, uh, a way to you know uh, jump over the gaps and, and to access and receive information that it's outside of our current point of view or outside of our logic. Mm. However, then if we uh, acquire intuitive information and we receive it, afterwards we can study it further and maybe to find out that there is a logic, even though we can't see it in the first place. So that makes intuition a very clever one because it can operate in those situations where the reasoning is not enough. It means like we are having so much information that our reasoning you know, cannot operate yeah. at time given. Mm. Or then there's two big, big gaps between the information so we cannot reason uh, in a in a reliable way because there's not enough 
information. Mm. Or in the worst case, there is simultaneous overload of information and a lack of information. So there's too much of information and yet not enough of that information that is needed. But intuition is very good in operating in those. But however, since it's different type of information, we can't use the analysis and logic. Mm. So therefore, we need different ways to uh, 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 evaluate the reliability. Mm. So what are those? Then it comes to the uh, most important thing about intuition, which is discernment skill. But how you can recognize that, hey, this is an important signal. Hey, this is a good idea. Hey, this is the truth for me. Hey, Mm. this is something I need to be alert. And often people are uh, describing like embodied signals that Mm -hmm. they may get goosebumps or gut feelings or uh, sensations in the body and I have labeled them as a confirmations of intuitive information and if you have uh, practiced your intuition or uh, being open to that quite soon you start to realize that hey this is the way my personal intuition works and these are the signals that I can recognize that it's maybe something important or I should be uh, listening to these signals. Mm. Often people tell that, you know, I just feel, I just know that I can rely on my intuition. But if you're using your intuition in a team or in your working place or, or with other people, I'm sorry, but that's not enough that you just say that, hey, I know that my intuition is right. Because uh, you need to make some sort of reflection or some sort of uh, uh, reference points or uh, some sort of perspectives where you can share that uh, why you can why you are trusting your intuition. Mm. So uh, with intuitive information, we often need these uh, points that we can uh, reflect intuition, whether it's reliable or not, whether it's accurate or not, whether it's useful. And since Mm. we are not developing these methods uh, it's quite obvious that in general we think that intuition is quite unreliable. Mm. But I think it's the same with reasoning. If we are not reasoning well, I mean, we have a false data or we are not uh, thinking logically, we get out unreliable information. And I think that's the problem of our time now that that we need to develop these methods to get more reliable information 
Yeah. Yeah, and that is a question that many people ask themselves because they may feel that there is that they intuit something and it feels mm. very true, but mm. still they're concerned that it may be something else. Maybe it's just their emotions that are um, trying to lure them in a specific direction or or some other kind of mistaken information. So what what how would you what guidance would you give to such a person who would like to refine their sense of being able to discern what truly is valuable intuitive knowledge mm. i would say that every one of us already have the keys to their own intuition so you wouldn't need me to tell you <laughs> uh, as i said we are all individuals and our intuitive system works in in a personal, very personal uh, way. So the best thing is to calm your mind down and start to open up to your intuition and take the steps that are easiest one or the most familiar one. Um, you know, um, earlier you said that we don't often value the qualities we have or the strengths we have. Often it's not easy to see that, hey, you are good in that and you need friends to tell that. Have you noticed that you're really good in doing this? And because it's often so close, we don't realize, oh, I didn't realize because that's the way I'm always doing. And I didn't know that, you know, there's something special because it's normal to me. Mm. And we need some other people, or at least it's useful if, if our friends tell us that, hey, these are your, your strengths and you're good in this. But since intuitive information is inside of us, so uh, it's so close that it's difficult to see. And yet other people cannot tell us because they cannot access our heads. Mm. So, uh, so we need to recognize it ourselves, start to, start to uh, value the things mm. we are good at. But it uh, needs tuning a little bit inwards. But often, body is really good uh, to start with mm. because our emotions can be uh, entangled or confused. Yeah. Our thinking may go into loops or it may be messy. But our body is something that it's very difficult to manipulate. It's, it tells quite straightforward mm. that that uh, where, whether something is good or bad, and therefore it's a good reference point for intuition. Actually, I would say that whatever question you have in mind or what uh, any type of advice you would like to ask from your intuition, you can uh, make a question that is so simple, you can either ask, 
either answer yes or no. And then you can start uh, tuning into your body. Mm. For example, stomach is quite sensitive or hard for some mm-hmm. people, or hands, palms. And you can ask your body if the question, if the answer for the question is yes or no. And usually you can recognize it quite easily. Mm. However, it's good if you have a specific question, like, not like, you know, should I move abroad? Because the answer may be yes, but not now. Yeah. Or should I change a job? Uh, maybe. <laughs> so if, if you ask a very specific question, usually yeah. in your body you can already sense that, whether it's good or not for you. Mm. But, but concerning, you were talking about this life purpose, that if we still ponder a little bit this reasoning and intuition, often people are advised to think rationally their career or yeah. life path. Mm-hmm. But I would rather say that um, seeing the future, you can't do that with reasoning. Yeah. And I think nowadays everyone has noticed that that this corona time has made such a big changes, which are maybe lasting for mm. several years or affects to the new affects to the future. Mm. Uh, changes the big structures in our society or ways of working or traveling or whatever. So actually, the the intuitive faculties are then the best ones you can benefit, um, and therefore uh, reasoning your future out is mm-hmm. is uh, if you are thinking in a rational way, you shouldn't use reasoning. You should use intuition. But uh, from my point of view, it's then a little bit funny how people end up using reasoning, even though uh, when reasoned out, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous way of uh, making the decisions. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, oftentimes you can really sit there with your lists of pros and cons and not get much wiser based on that mm. you really need to go to another kind of knowing to to get some clarity in in which direction to go yeah okay so let's say that we have a person who really would like to know their life purpose who would like to get clarity about what their unique gifts are and and an appropriate way of expressing their gifts in this life what um yeah in what way are they helped by intuition like how does that that tie into intuition Hmm. i would say that often uh the most difficult part is not to hear your intuition i would rather say that people can hear 
their intuitions quite well. I would rather say that people can hear their intuition quite well, but instead uh, there's fear mm. because often those intuitions that are the most valuable ones, they are frightening us. Mm. So you have to go through your fear to find the treasure. Yeah. Hmm. So in a sense, you think most people kind of intuit what they are here for, in mm. a sense. Yeah. But it's more, the problem is more that there's so many layers of mm. fear and resistance on top mm. of it. Mm. Some people may have a lot of noise on the top of intuition so that they don't want to turn inwards. Mm. They want to fill up their mind with, you know, the news, the music or whatever feed they uh, want to fill their minds so that they wouldn't turn inwards because turning inwards may be frightening. Yeah. But uh, some people are brave enough to turn inwards, but when they uh, hear the call of intuition or, or call of their life purpose or call uh, or, or hear the inner call for making something new, mm -hmm. unseen, or, or using their potential, which is, I think, always bigger that they can imagine. They may start uh, belittling themselves, yeah. not uh, having enough courage. Mm. Yeah. And therefore, we would need these other people around us to tell us that hey, I can see your potential even though you don't believe it yourself. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Therefore, I think that what we need is uh, an environment of safety and trust. Mm. And, and that's something very important in... You know, in families, in schools, in working places. And mm. what happens in the human mind when we are afraid, and this comes from the primitive, you know, primitive uh, side of intuitions, this instinct-based intuition. The fear, fear machinery burdens our thinking, and then our mind goes into a narrow mode which is like you know run or fight or freeze but as soon as we can calm down the fear machinery in our thinking our mind and thinking starts to expand mm. and therefore for example these practices of mindfulness are so well working because they temporarily uh, quiet down the fear machinery in our thinking. 
Mm. So uh, actually, we don't have to uh, uh, really practice our intuition. What we need to practice is to create the environment of safety and trust where we can start to open up. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, this topic of social support as a necessary part of um, living your purpose. It, it's, so far, it's come up in all the conversations I've had. It seems to be quite central. Yeah. yeah. And since uh, I, was, I started with this super intuition, it's... Uh, for some people, it's quite frightening because it's not a concept uh, related to the Western materialistic science. It's uh, uh, kind of excluded out of the Western uh, science. Mm-hmm. And therefore, intuition has this mystical, uh, maybe mystical aspects or it's considered to be something uh, cuckoo or weird or Mm. mysterious. Yeah. And these genius people like Da Vinci or Tesla Mm. uh, are also considered as a as in 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 the margin, not Mm. normal ones. And that's frightening. Am I am I getting mad? Are you mad? We have these primitive fears of uh, being mad, yeah. being different from others, which uh, also come to the primitive side of intuition that you know, if you're too odd or too weird, you are excluded from your tribe, mm. and being left alone has been. Uh, Mm, has been frightening, frightening, or frightening, or it meant death. You yeah. can't survive alone. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot challenge others too much because there's always this fear of being left alone. Yeah. Outside of the community and. And therefore, we have this primitive need of acceptance and being uh, part of the group, mm. being accepted by others. Yeah. Hmm. But of course, that's not the case anymore, because even though we are alone, we are supported by the society, at least in these Nordic countries. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot of these fears, or actually in many ways, uh, I it's almost like all of the fears, at least very close to all of them, are they don't they're not actually based in reality. Mm, mm. Um they're more like, like mental images. Yeah, like this like what you were just speaking about. That's of the fear of not being accepted or being seen as someone weird 
Of course, it doesn't really have such big consequences in our life nowadays. We can find new friends if our old friends <laughs> don't want to hang out with us. And, you know, we're not going to die, but we have this part of us that thinks we're going to die because that's mm. how it used to be for such a long time. And there are other fears like, will I be able to support myself economically and if I really follow my purpose? and. Mm. And most of these, you know, of course you need to be a little bit careful with your choices, but in general, we're pretty safe in mm. at least here where we live in mm. Western Europe and Northern Europe. <clears throat> yeah, but they're still strong, so I don't want to downplay them. <laughs> in In experience, they are strong. In reality, they are not so real. Mm. Yeah. So I think a lot I'm 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 guessing that a lot of our listeners are sitting right now and are like I want to know more about super intuition. How can I develop my intuition? What can I do to develop develop my intuition in practical terms? Mm. Can I have better access to it? Mm. So what would you say to these people? I would say that uh, you can, uh, or these three intuitions, they all have their brakes and their gas pedals. Mm -hmm. Something that is preventing or, or limiting and, and something that is then enhancing it. Mm. And it's no use to use intuition if you're having an all your... Uh, break on on one intuition and, and uh, pushing gas into two ones. So what the first break is the primitive intuition. It needs safety mm. and, and uh, trust. Mm. And we can always create that atmosphere to ourselves. But if we don't uh, notice that we uh, need the, the environment of safety, then uh, we can be frightened in our non-conscious mind and not getting the best out of the, uh, the other two ones. So our first intuition needs this uh, safe environment. And the second intuition, it's the kind of the, you know, the modern mind that all of us have educated well. We can think that the human mind works in a similar way as a snowy hill. If we are looking at the snowy hill, uh, when it's intact, and you want to slide down on a snowy hill. You can slide down wherever you want. But as soon as you slide down in a snowy hill, there is a track. Mm. And the second time when you're sliding down, the quickest way down is to use that track, which is on the hill. <laughs> and the human brain works in the similar way. 
When we consider or think something for the first time ever, we have free mind, but as soon as we have been thinking about something or doing something, there is a connection in our uh, neurons, in our brain. Mm. And the human brain works so that next time the brain automatically choose the quickest and energy efficient route. And that's the basis of all learning. You know, we are practicing violin or bicycling or driving a car several times and each time it comes easier and quicker. And it's a good thing because that's the way we teach our brain and we learn things. But from intuition point of view, then when the track is like a you know fast, really a fast track, we cannot cannot see the snowy hill anymore. Mm. It's outside of our view or it's outside of our imagination. So uh, how to get there that we don't have the connection anymore? So the second challenge is to teach your expert intuition to be open, uh, open to the new ideas, wondering, questioning. And these subconscious beliefs that, you know, this is not true, this is not possible, this is not the way the world works, this is not part of my thinking. They are so subconscious that it's not always easy to get out of these uh, non-conscious beliefs. Mm. So these are the two main challenges when, when working with intuition. Mm. But then the third one, I already told that, that for example, Nikola Tesla was having these uh, times of uh, almost psychosis or, or uh, psychic um, challenges. It's like you can see all the possibilities in the world, but you're not connected anymore to your human existence. So how to integrate these three, that's the core of uh, using intuition as an inventor. When you are making concrete inventions, you're integrating them in the current science or knowledge or technology. And yet you are bringing here into the human world something that has not been existing mm. here before. And usually people are more familiar with one of these intuitions, like people who are often quite strong and physical or powerful. Uh, they are often well-connected with, the, with their instinct. Mm. People who, who are more like thinkers or academics or, or uh, handle uh, mental constructions, they are more familiar with this expert expertise 
intuition. Mm. And people who are more like artistic or uh, spiritual, they are often more familiar with this super intuition. Mm. Mm. But the main thing is to get these three working together. Mm. And, and that makes uh, intuition as a tool for uh, powerful creations, mm. tool of inventing, tool of uh, uh, creation, power yeah. of creation. And getting these three to work together, you so you create an atmosphere of safety for intuition mm. one and you do something to be able to get out of the box for yeah, so. to surpass your current knowledge yeah out of the box two and and what could that look like in, in practical terms like how do you get out of your routine thinking what are mm. some things you could do mm. That's the good question because the, we have this, uh, as I as I was explaining, these fast tracks of our thinking, and intuition is often, you know, fast track in thinking with this expert intuition. Mm. But how to get out of it and how to benefit it? Uh, people who are very visionary like Nobel laureates they are benefiting this superintuition which means like uh, being connected we often think ourselves to be separate but for example these uh, Nobel laureates one of my favorites is Barbara McClintock, who was researching the genetics of corn, mm. and also some physicists. They had these experiences of, uh, you know, uh, feeling of being inside of the chromosomes or yeah. feeling being part of the atoms. Mm. all electrons and that was the um, primary way of acquiring information mm. for example Barbara McClintock she has been describing that uh, when she was looking down to the microscope while researching the chromosomes and when she was looking very intensively she wasn't up there she was down there with the chromosomes and the chromosomes grew bigger and bigger, and they were around her, and they were her friends. And this was, to her, this was the primary way of acquiring intuitive information. Hmm. And of course, uh, from uh, uh, traditional science uh, point of view, this is ridiculous. Hmm. And and McClintock got a lot of criticism. She was left out from the scientific community. She was laughed at. 
but that was her way of acquiring information. And she said that we just think that we are separate, but actually we are not. So it's a way to go into the snowy hill where there isn't any track. You just uh, feel yourself connected with the research, with the uh, with the object you are researching or the topic you are researching, and you are making the leap, even though you don't see the logic. And it's a way of acquiring information. Often we think that intuition is something that you are benefiting in the decision making. Mm. But, but you should separate that. Intuition is also a way of acquiring information. And you can acquire information from uh, intuition and mm. also from reasoning. And then you can compare them. And you don't have to make the decision based on your intuition. It's just a way of getting the information in the first place. Mm. So with superintention, we can uh, surpass the limits that um, the feeling of being separate causes us. Mm. And uh, in many research, intuition and empathy are correlating and it means that these both are having some sort of sem uh, similar basis how to surpass the limits of yourself. What yeah. does it feel like, you know, being another person? And they're both two-way channels that if we can... Um, uh, hear intuition, or if we can receive information through intuition, we can also acquire information. And also in empathy, we can receive information through empathy, but we can also actively look for an information. It's called empathetic projection. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought in empathy here because that, I mean, empathy is a form of intuition mm. Mm. because you don't, you don't sit there and think about how the other person feels. That, that's mm. not empathy. Empathy is kind of feeling into the other person's experience. And I'm imagining that a lot of our listeners are very empathic people so i think it's a very good frame of reference for like mm. oh actually i'm quite empathic so actually i'm quite intuitive and maybe i can kind of apply that sort of ability to tune into others to also tuning into myself <laughs> mm. and um and to other things and all of us we're intuitive and all of us we have these three uh intuitions we have the instinct-based intuition, we have the expert-based intuition, we also, every one of us have the super-intuition. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well, great. It's 
getting time to wrap up here. So I would like to offer you to share a little bit about if there's anything, if you have any offerings that people can take part of, or if people want to contact you, how they can find you and, and that sort of thing. Mm. Oh, yes. Um very easily reachable through LinkedIn or Facebook or social media. Mm. And currently I'm I'm working on the translation of my books in English. I don't have so much uh, uh, English online material yet, but maybe in the future I will. Hmm. Yeah. Yes, those are really excellent books. So I hope they will be available soon so people can read them outside of Finland too. Okay, so thank you so much, Asta, for being part of the Life Purpose podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Pauli. Thank you for listening to this episode. We recorded another 15 minutes afterwards, and you can find that on my website. You can sign up for a free membership and get access to all the bonus materials for all the episodes, as well as other materials such as a purpose discovery meditation. Just go to paulisari.com and find the members area in the menu. In the bonus materials for this episode, Asta shares a practice for how to distinguish between intuition and imagination. I also ask her about how she deals with difficult life choices. If your purpose is calling to you and you would like to make it your priority to find out what your true purpose is, I would be happy to guide you. I am a certified purpose guide and I guide people through a process that we call the Purpose Discovery Program. You can find out more about that on my website paulisari.com. If you're interested in doing the program, I encourage you to contact me for a free introductory session. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you soon.